Did Pope Francis just formally approve same-sex blessings in the Catholic Church? That's what everybody wants to know today. Did Pope Francis give the green light for clergy all over the world to decide on their own to confer blessings on same-sex unions? If you're watching this, you want to know the answer to that. We're going to get into that today. I'm going to read word for word what Pope Francis replied on that issue. You're going to be surprised by what he says and what he does not say. We're going to break that down. And then I'm going to show you the fatal flaw in this statement that will be used by Germans and other people to begin to wedge and to break open the chasm for future problems inside the Catholic Church. So that's today's podcast. Also in the news is the speech of Archbishop Vigano, which was scheduled to be at the Catholic Identity Conference with Michael Matt. Uh, that was not shown because it entertains the idea of sedevacantism. Archbishop Vigano says that we should take very seriously the possibility that Bergoglio intended to obtain the election by means of fraud in order to do the exact opposite of what Jesus Christ gave a mandate to St. Peter and his successors to do. So we've recently had James Altman say Francis is not the Pope. Now we got Vigano coming out strong, but that's not today's show. So I will talk about that perhaps tomorrow um, or later on. So make sure you are subscribed and hit that bell and we'll cover all that information. Today we're covering the controversy of whether Pope Francis has approved of same-sex unions. Now this show is in a way a part two of what I covered yesterday. Yesterday I went through the five cardinals who have written dubia. They have submitted questions twice on five topics. We have Cardinal, of course, Brownmuller. We have Cardinal Burke. We have the great Cardinal Sarah. By the way, we got Brownmuller from Germany, Europe. Burke, America, North America. We've got Cardinal Sarah from Africa. We got Cardinal Zen from Asia. And we got uh, Cardinal Inez. He's from Mexico. I mean, we got all kinds of diversity here. So that's kind of cool, isn't it? All right. They wrote the dubia. They got responses. They wrote a clarified dubia. All of that we covered in yesterday's show. Today, we're going to get out the microscope and look real close in on the words of Pope Francis regarding the blessing of same-sex unions. All right. I'm going to begin here by saying that the Catholic Church does not teach that the temptation of sin, whether it be same-sex attracted, opposite-sex attracted, whatever that is, the temptation in itself is a temptation. It is the performance of sexual acts outside of marriage, contrary to the virtue of chastity, 
that are sinful. That's the Catholic teaching. I know you may be watching this video and you're not Catholic and you might think, well, whatever. But I just want to say at the beginning that the Catholic teaching is you could have somebody who is, for whatever reason, attracted to people of the same sex. That temptation that they struggle with is not is not themse- is not itself making them guilty of sin. It is concupiscence. It is an internal temptation. Just like the man who drives by the bar every day, he's an alcoholic, every day on the home from work, and he has the temptation to go in there and get a Jack and Coke and have another Jack and Coke and keep on going at it. The fact that he drives by the bar and goes home and doesn't do that, and he defeats the temptation, that's actually what we call a victory. It's virtuous. It's good. So I just want everybody to know that the Catholic Church is not one to dunk on people who have temptations. What we are here, what Christ instituted the church for, is to sanctify us and to make us into great saints, to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all of us have our own burdens, our own temptations, our own sins, our own patterns of sinfulness, our own concupiscence. And that's why we have baptism, the sacrament of penance, Eucharist, confirmation to strengthen us, so we can be, what's the word I want to use here? I don't want to say empowered because that's such a cheeseball word, but so that we can be confirmed in grace. How about that? That sounds good. Okay, what did Pope Francis say and what did he not say? I don't want to waste your time, so let's just get right into it. Here is what he says to the cardinals. Nevertheless, quote, nevertheless, In our dealings with people, we must not lose the pastoral charity that must permeate all our decisions and attitudes. The defense of objective truth is not the only expression of this charity, which is also made up of kindness, patience, understanding, tenderness, and encouragement. I'll pause here. I agree with that. You know, defending the objective truth, which so many traditional Catholics are rightfully concerned about, is not the only expression of charity. By the way, defending the truth and teaching the truth is an act of charity, but also that comes with that we learn from St. Peter and Christ and Paul. We must also have kindness, patience, understanding, tenderness, and encouragement. All right, that's part of charity as well, truth and love. Francis says, therefore, we cannot become judges who only deny, reject, and exclude. That right there is a little gray. Yes, you can't be a judge that only denies, rejects, or excludes, but judges and shepherds and pastors and priests and leaders do have to judge. It's part of their office. They do have to deny on certain times. I'm a father. There are certain times when I have to say to my children, no. We cannot have a bluebell ice cream for dinner. There are times when there has to be exclusion. That's just, that's just the nature of the Christian community. We see Christ doing it. We see Paul doing it. It's always motivated by love and the final reconciliation of the person. But there is that element to Christianity, and there is that element to Catholicism. It's never going to go away. Go away. So I think this statement here, it could be misinterpreted. Francis then goes on to say, for this reason, pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing. Here we go. Y'all ready? 
whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or more persons. That's key. Get your highlighter out, mental highlighter. Highlight that. Because when a blessing is requested, it is expressing a request for help from God, a plea to live, to be able to live a better life, a trust in a father who can help us to live better, end quote. Okay, that's technically true, but not everyone who requests a, requests a blessing is doing it for the right reasons, right? There are people who are going to the horse races and they want a blessing because they think it's going to help them win money at gambling, right? So there needs to be a pastoral understanding of why the person is seeking the blessing. And this is really one of the hinges on the whole debate about blessing of same-sex unions and then also the blessing of one or more persons. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. Francis then says, on the other hand, although there are situations that from an objective point of view are not morally acceptable, pastoral charity itself demands that we do not simply treat others as sinners whose guilt or responsibility may be due to their own fault, end quote. So it is the case that people come forward for a blessing. For example, you might think of two men, they're business partners, right? Maybe they, they, got, they own a store or they're in a law firm and they see a priest and they say, hey, you know, we got this big case in front of us or we're trying to close this big deal and we've been really stressed. Can we have a blessing, Father? And he goes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's call upon God. And they get a blessing so that, you know, they make the right decision in their business deal or they get a favorable outcome to a, to a legal case, right? That's fine. Blessing of two people. You could have a football team. They're going into the Super Bowl. And they say, hey, Father, can you give the team a blessing that we perform according to God's will in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'll give you the blessing, right? Boom. Right, the blessing is there to help them in their job playing football. The problem comes in here is it's the it's the reason for the blessing when it would come to the same sex union, right? And the concern, let's just be frank with each other. The concern is you're going to have Bill and Stephen, and they're going to say, "Father, you know, we're we're living together. We've got a." We're married in Hawaii, and we've adopted a child. And, um, you know, we, we really just want our family to come together at church and, and you to bless our union. And so what we want to do is we want to put, put flowers all over the sanctuary in the church, and you wear your vestments. And uh, we walk down the aisle, and my, our families are all there, and uh, you give a sermon, and then you, you bless our union. Now, let's just say those two guys were the same two guys that said, hey, we got a law firm. We, wanna, we want you to help you know, bless our law firm, okay? But here it's different, all right? The intention is different. And it seems that Francis and Cardinal Fernandez are sort of leaving this up to the bishop and the pastor to discern what to do. And this is what has everybody in the world freaked out right now is how is this going to be interpreted, and then how is this going to be used in the future? And the problem we have seen as Catholics is the Pope will make one concession, and then suddenly the clergy and the lay people run with it. You know what I'm talking about. 
For example, communion in the hand. We just want an exception just in this one area to have communion in the hand. Okay, the Pope says, okay, you can only have it in Belgium and Holland and France. Well, then what happens? It becomes universal, global. Or they say, you know, Father, there's a lot of people, they, they, they're poor people, but they're good people, and they, they never studied Latin, and they don't understand what's going on in Mass, so we want to have some vernacular in the Mass. So the Pope says, okay, you can have some vernacular in the Mass, but make sure you retain Latin. You got to have some Latin, retain Latin. Okay, all right, thank you, Holy Father. And then what happens? The entire Mass from the opening to the end is entirely vernacular. Another example. You know, Father, it's just Mass takes too long. Mass takes an hour and 24 minutes, and there's so many people receiving communion, we don't know what to do, so we want to have lay Eucharistic ministers. We're going to have lay people come up, and uh, they're going to hand out the Eucharist. Pope says, okay, I'll give that out in certain exceptions. I want it to be extraordinary, not an ordinary. Well, now look. Nearly 99% of all parishes around the whole world have lay Eucharistic ministers. Like a drive through Boom. And people are concerned that this new, well, kind of discern it on yourself is going to explode into making something the norm. So that now on Saturday when... Bill and Sally are like, well, we'd like to reserve the church on Saturday, August 12th for our wedding. Like, oh, well, on that day, we got Bill and Steve. They're doing their blessing on that day. It's like, okay. And it's going to lead to misunderstandings on one of the seven sacraments. We Catholics, you may be watching this, you're not Catholic. We have seven sacraments. Okay, we got baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, penance, extreme unction. That's for when you die, for when you're really sick. Holy orders, ordaining priests, and holy matrimony. Protestants don't believe matrimony is a sacrament. We do believe marriage is a sacrament. And if you have people who are not receiving the sacrament, but they're receiving what looks like a blessing conferred in the sacrament of matrimony, now we have the problem. And I'll close by saying the problem since Vatican II, the problem since the 60s, is weaponized ambiguity. Weaponized ambiguity is when you make something ambiguous so that it can be weaponized later. And I'll tell you, this sure feels like weaponized ambiguity. You got people on both sides this week. You got your trads and your conservatives say, hey, he's doing this, he's doing this. And then you got your Pope Splainers, your Jesuits, your liberals on the other end, like, well, he never really said that. Did he really, really say that? And it's ambiguous, and it's ambiguous on purpose. What should be done, what should be done here is the Pope can say, you know what? You can give a blessing to a person. You can give a blessing to a golfer who's going to golf on the PGA. You can give a blessing to a group of people, football team, soccer team, baseball team, gymnastics team. But you cannot confer a blessing with the intent for something sinful or contrary to Catholic teaching. And here are some examples. Right? So if 
the Italian mafia comes and says, hey, we're going to go knock off the other family and the other dawn of the other family. We want your blessing, Father, before we go into battle. No, you don't get the blessing, right? So there should be, if, if someone's asking for a blessing, there should be the question, why are you asking for the blessing? I think if the Vatican and if the Pope could clarify that part, which is the intention and the purpose of the blessing, and then issue strict rules. I know we don't want to be legalistic, but we need to have, we need to protect holy matrimony. Rules for and for intention and for purpose of blessings. That's fine. I mean, we've had books of blessings for centuries. You know, how do you bless the wine? How do you bless the crops? How do you bless the cattle? How do you bless all these things, even factories? This is what needs to be done. All right. And there can be no confusion at all that you're blessing a situation, a practice, a scenario, a relationship that is contrary to faith and morals. Do you agree? Give me a thumbs up. Like the video, share the video on Facebook, share it with your friends. There's a lot of confused people. I think today's video, I read word for word what Pope Francis said. I showed where I thought there's weaponized ambiguity, and I proposed a solution for at least in this particular situation, I think would fix everything. So like the video. If you're new and you enjoy the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast, please subscribe, hit the subscription button, hit the bell. If you're watching on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. If you're on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. If you're on Rumble, follow me on Rumble. Get after it. And then I'm also rele releasing short-form content over at Instagram. If you're on Instagram, find me over there, Dr. Taylor Marshall, and I'll see you there. All right, we're going to pray for the state of the church. I'd like to offer a Hail Mary for the prevention of weaponized ambiguity. All right, that's what we're going to pray for. The prevention against weaponized ambiguity. Let's do it. Oremos nomine patris et fidi, spiritus sancti, amen. Ave Maria, gratia plena Dominus tecum, benedicta tu in mulieribus, et benedictus fructus ventris tui, Jesus. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pro nobis peccatoribus, nunc eretor mortis nostre. Amen. Nomini Patris et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Saint Therese, ora pro nobis. Nomini Patris et Fidi, et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Thanks for watching. If you want to learn more about the infiltration and inner corruption of the Catholic Church, I recognize, I recognize, I recommend my book, Infiltration, The Plot to Destroy the Church from Within. You can get it at Amazon. There's an audible version. If you'd like me to send you a signed autographed copy, you can go to patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. There's different levels there at Patreon. And uh, one of those, I'll send you a rosary, some other books, this book. So check it out, patreon.com forward slash DR Taylor Marshall. If you want to take online courses with me, I'm releasing a brand new course on apocalyptic studies. We're looking at Daniel, Isaiah, the book of Revelation, private revelations. We also have courses on the Latin Mass, philosophy, apologetics, Old Testament, New Testament. Come study with me. I'll be your professor. Go to nsti.com, nsti.com, and check it out. And if you want to move to a different part of the country, I recommend that you contact realestateforlife.org. They've helped a lot of my audience 
sell their house where they are and move to a different part of the world, not just in America, but all over. So if you want to move to a more conservative city, state, find a good Catholic school, traditional Latin mass, you need to sell your house and buy a house in another place, contact realestateforlife.org, realestateforlife.org. They will help you. Until next time, remember our Lord Jesus Christ is the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless, Godspeed, and make sure you do subscribe because we got a big topic coming up. Don't miss it.